Okay, shalom ubracha. We have a lot to go into, and believe it or not, it's automatically connected to Purim, to Haman, to Amalek. But also, we just want to point out something about this last week of Shovevim. Shovevim are these six weeks, right? Starting from Shmot. This week's parasha, Mishpatim. That's Shovevim, Shmot, Va'era, Bo, Bishalach, Yitro, Mishpatim. These six weeks, and when it's a leap year, it's an additional two weeks, Shovevim Tat. These six weeks, the Arizal says, is very, very special time for activating what's called Tikkun Abrit, fixing the covenant, moral sexual purity. And like Rav Nosson says on this lesson, he says the main attack of sexual impurity is sadness and depression. That's how Haman Amalek gets the person. That's how this, this gum attacks a person in the first place is that a person is full of worries and pressures and that leads him to sadness and depression. So because of that, the attack in these weeks is much more stronger in the area of making a person feel very futile, very frustrated, very sad. And like Rabbi Nachman teaches, when the Yetzara sees it, that it's the end of a certain level of his strength, so he gives his final punch. So in the Shovevim, this last week is called Mishpatim. Mishpatim, on one hand, it's amazing. It's the laws of the Torah. But mishpat also means like judgment. Judgment. So a person is being like really sharpened. You know, every all angles are sharpened to break a person. But when you know that, when you know the trick of the game, if, when you know how the game works, when you know how the Yitzhara works, when the tzaddikim teach us how the Yitzhara does his job, you have a, a consolation already. You have a better chance in continuing, even if a person falls in this battle, he gets up. Like I say always, the breast of drink, it's seven up. <laughs> seven up. Sheva yipol tzadik, vakam. We fall seven and we get up. Because that's the secret of Hatzlacha. The secret of success is not that he never fell. It's that he fell and got up. It's like once, there's a famous joke they say, there's a story that there was a breast liver and he, everyone was walking and only the breast of her slipped and fell. It was a rainy day. There was mud in Poland, whatever. And he slipped into the mud. Okay? So the misnagdim, they laughed at him. He says, you see, you fell into the mud and slipped because you're a breast of her. He says, no, I fell in the mud because of my sins. And I got up. <laughs> I get up because I'm a breast of her. I get up because I'm a breast of her. You got that? No, no. You see, you're a breast of her. Look what you're going through. Look all the tests. Look, look. That's our proof. No, the proof is that I get up afterwards. That's the secret. Life is crazy. Life is crazy. There's so many challenges. You didn't expect them. No one told you ahead of time the challenges you'd have at age 20, age 30, age 40, age 50. Even though people were around and they're going through these challenges, they can't tell you. It's funny. You see sometimes old people, 80-year-olds, 90-year-olds, and they look at you, you look at them. When you look at them, you say, ah, he's already losing it. Because you, know, you see how they're walking. Like, uh. But there's, there's levels of what's called internalized wisdom. Makif. In Kabbalah, it's called the makif, which is internalized. And there's things that he knows about life. Even though he's walking slowly and everything. And it seems like he's not there. But he has a level of intuition that he can't give over to you. 
He knows what you're going through. He went through the same thing, the test. When he sees young guys, 30, 40, 50, he can't warn you. There's no warning he can give you because it's a level of intellect that only experience in life will get you through it. As much as he try, he'll try to give over what he went through to relate to what you're going through at age 20, 30, 40, 50, he can't give it over because you have to go through the experience yourself. And it's called a makif. So they laugh at us. They have, they, they may, maybe externally things are slower and they forget things and everything, but they have internalized a deep understanding of life that because of that, you know, they have a, they have a higher, higher standing. They laugh when they see our tests. Ah, oh, you young people. You always hear older people. Ah, oh, you young people, young people. They're saying that because they went through what you're going through. It's not like, it's not like we think, ah, you don't understand us. It's a new generation. It's a new day and age. It's not true. They went through in their time tests similar to what you're going through at your, your age 20, age 30, age 40, but they can't give it over to you because it's impossible. You don't have the capacity. You don't have the kaleen to internalize what they would say to you. you could, they, 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 know, they know you can't get happy. You can't grab it, right? It's only life that experiences it. So going back, I don't know how we got off that, but we went off. <laughs> but the point is that now Amalek attacks and life is crazy. And what's the secret? Is that I get up, right? He's called Amalek because it's Am, like the Midrash says, Amlak. He licks. What does he lick? Like a dog. What does a dog lick off? Whenever like there's food on the floor, there's something garbage, he licks. So Amalek, his job is to get people to fall, and then he licks them. The idea of licking, like a dog licks whatever's available on the floor. So Amalek, his job is when people fall, and then they stay down, and Yehush, that's where Amalek, he licks off the person. So we have Kripat Haman, and Kripat Amalek. Kripat Haman, we said last class, if you remember, Haman is Gematria, Tzav, remember that? Ramadan brings from the Arizal, Haman is Gematria, 95, with the word itself, 96. And Tzav, Tzav on one hand in Kedusha is Mitzvah. Mitzvah has in it Tzadikav. Tzibui, Tzibui, commandment. A commandment also said Mitzvah means the connector, to connect you. And on the other side, the Gemara in Sanhedrin says, Ein Tzav Ela Avodah Zara. Tzav is idolatry. It's opposite. And Haman is the creep of idolatry. What's like the creep of idolatry? Against mitzvot. What's that? Sadness. The only way you can do mitzvot is if you're happy. Tachat Asher, Ravatem et Hashem Elokechem besimcha. You get punished because you didn't serve Hashem besimcha. Not because you didn't do mitzvot. He says, Rav Lassen, scary. He says, the Yetzara will let you do mitzvot. No problem. They'll let you do mitzvot. But Shabbat. You know, no simcha. Like these people, they're very, very modern people. We are now celebrating and honoring the Hanukkah lines of honoring the honorary president. Everything is like sad. No happiness. No, that, Amalek can't stand that. Amalek and the going. I have to go a little into, off a little. We kind of avoid what happened this past Friday and the terrorist attacks. Manasin explains why are they going after us? Why do they care? Why is there anti-Semitism? Why the pogroms? Why the terrorist attacks? What do they care? Live your life. Live your life. Live your life. What did I do to you? I'm not doing anything to you. What, why do you care? Ramnosan says the main hatred of the going towards the Jews is they can't stand that the Jews are happy. Why can't they stand that? Because the going don't have true simcha. He explains Ramnosan. Simcha is a very holy 
holy thing. Simcha is only with Hashem. Simcha b'Hashem v'gilu tzadikim. When we say simcha, the Al-Sheikh gives a rule in the Torah. The definition of simcha, true simcha, when we say true simcha, is a person is, a, is happy with his connection with God. Other than that, there's no true simcha. The thing is, we can use this world to connect with Hashem. We can be happy with Shabbos eating, to buy the nice gefilte fish, whatever. <laughs> the nice expensive salmon, to go on the Pesach cruise. You know, I do Pesach, but on a cruise. Because I want to have the center, but you know, the guy, the guy needs a cruise for Pesach. Let him have it. Okay, yeah, go on the cruise. Sometimes we make fun of people going on the cruise, but they really love it. It's like for them, it's really gishmak. They have a cruise on the on the seder on the cruise, whatever. Just saying, people are the union are able to take the gashmiut, the physicality, connect it to a mitzvah, and have true simcha even though this gashmiut attached. Like I go to the kibbutz Sadiqim, always tons of food, tons of kugel, tons of chalmin, and stuffing people. It's like, what is this? I came here to David to do tshuva, talk about something, they're serving food and drinking and everything. That's the thing, that it's a gashmiut associated with mute, okay? But ultimately, the simcha is that I'm using everything, connecting to Hashem, and I'm happy about it. The goyim don't have that. True simcha, true simcha is connected to Hashem. Now, however, we're in galut. The Rosan explained, what does it mean we're in galut? What does it mean in galut? The shechina is in galut. And what is the shechina? What does it mean, the shechina? What does it mean, the divine presence? What does it do to you? What does it mean that the Shekhinah is Begalut? What does that mean? You know, what does that mean? He explains to Avnosin, and Rabbi Nachman explains this. The Shekhinah is called, we went through this in the lesson itself, the beginning of the lesson, he says this. The Shekhinah is what's called Simchatan Shel Yisrael. The joy of the Jewish people is the, is the Shekhinah. What does it mean, the Shekhinah? The Shekhinah means that Hashem is with you no matter what. That's the greatest Simcha in life. When you know Hashem is with you and you feel his presence, that's connecting, okay? Shina begalut, Rabbi means that the simcha is in galut. Okay? What does that mean that simcha is in galut? That I don't have that accessibility to simcha like I did when there was a Beit HaMikdash. When there's a Beit HaMikdash, when there's open godliness available, so you can easily connect and there's simcha on the spot. Rabbi Nosson says, the Kohanim, quoting the Zohar, the Zohar says the Kohanim can only work in the Beit HaMikdash if the Besimcha. If the Kohan came to work in the morning, hey Joe, how's it going? I said, he can't work. The guy in charge of the Kohanim in the Beit HaMikdash, he saw Yosef or Yochai, whatever, a Kohen from this, from this Mishpachan and he was down. He's not allowed to work in the Beit HaMikdash. He said, go home, do some exercise, be happy and then come back. You can't work today in the Beit HaMikdash if you're sad. What happened? I got an argument with my wife last night. The coin, he can't go to work. The coin can't go to work if now he was down. So when Muslim explains the attitude of the Beit HaMikdash was pure simcha. The Jews who came to for Kapar, they were so excited. We can't imagine really what it was like there. They tried to. They tried to make 3D digital videos of what happened with the Kohanim, you know, the, also the Ozva Hadar graphics on, on Masechet Sukkah, Masechet Yoma. They tried to give you a picture to depict what was there. But they can't, they can't put on screen, they can't put on picture today the simcha that was experienced in the Beit HaMikdash. Because we're in Galut. We're in Galut. The simcha that's not in the Galut is ready, ready the shechina not in Galut is readily available simcha that we don't, we don't know what it is. Either. We haven't tapped into it. Okay? So the simcha, the shechina, Rabbi says, is in exile. So what does that mean also? We're in exile. Where did it go? What does it mean it goes into exile? So he says, Rabbi 
the goyim have access to our simcha. Meaning, the goyim can do worldly pleasures. They can run after a Maui club med and enjoy themselves in pubs every night and, and, and take the simcha and put it on that. They take the simcha that belongs to us. It's available. It's in Galut. And they take it and they put it on movies and this and, you know, they're going smiling and everyone pretends to be happy or they try to be happy. But it's temporary. They take the simcha. We, we have a nice prime. What's the problem? I'm enjoying myself, enjoying life. But it doesn't last. In other words, the simcha of, is opposite to what they're happy about. The world they're happy about ta'avot and midot ra'ot and doing transgressions and going after their heart's desires, okay? So they put the simcha and they put it on that. But it's, it's, like, it's like now you take a balloon and you put it underwater. You can't, it, as long as you're holding it down, it stays underwater. As soon as you let go, it goes back up. How long can you hold the balloon underwater? So too, the simcha, its nature is to detach from physicality and worldly things that are not connected to Hashem. It's not connected. They, for, they take the simcha, they put it on their enjoyment, they have enjoyment, and pretend to be happy. They may be really happy, but it's not lasting. A yid, it's the exact opposite. When a Jew succeeds in this galut to get up in the morning and put on tefillin, yeah, put on tefillin, to put on tzitzit, okay, to say a bracha. When you do something, even though it's hard, even though you did it like a dead person, but still you did a mitzvah, and the mitzvah itself is simcha, okay? So now, when you look back five, ten years later, you can still be happy from what you did. Oh, oh Hashem, I put on tefillin, Today, I put on tefillin 10 years ago. I'm still happy about the past. And it's true simcha. It's giving me life now from that, from, from even a long time ago because the simcha never departed from the mitzvah that I did because the rightful place of simcha is on the mitzvah. So when I did a mitzvah tefillin 5, 10 years ago, the simcha is so happy to connect to the mitzvah that I do in Galut. So even though it's past, it's not temporary. The simcha lasts with me. You're happy now? I put on tefillin today. I put on tefillin last week. I put on tefillin 10 years ago. I put on tzitzit. I can have a lasting simcha. I don't like fall into regret. You see the old people, for example, old old going, whatever, old secular people. When I was young, when I, no, they're very depressed. When I was young, I did this and now I have nothing left. You know, everything's opposite. They look at their past accomplishments of this world, which are empty anyways, and they can't be besimcha. Whereas you take an old Tamit Chacham, or an old simple Yid, who spent his whole life saying to him and doing mitzvot, whatever. He's old, he's happy. He's happy because he has all his days with him. The mitzvah, the simcha is still with him. It didn't budge. It didn't budge. He can be happy now from what he did 5, 10, 15 years ago and be happy truly about it right now, okay? So Rav Nosen says, this is the attack of the goyim. The goyim can't stand that the yidin in Galut are happy for nothing. What are you happy about? You put on tefillin, so what? What is that? He says of Nasser, Haman and the Goyim in Shushan, they were so jealous of Mordechai. Mordechai was a happy person, right? Even when Mordechai, the Midrash says, when Mordechai saw Haman, when Haman became a big shot, Haman, right? Whenever Mordechai saw him, what did Mordechai do? He stuck out his shoe. Because at the bottom of his shoe, he had the star, the signed agreement between Haman and Mordechai that Haman sold himself as an Eved Olam, as a slave for life to Mordechai for a piece of bread. Because they were together in a battalion for the king of, uh, or was the Nebuchadnezzar, working for one of the previous kings before Hashverosh. And they were stuck in a situation where it was only them, and they had no food, and only Mordechai had food. 
So Haman begged him, he was starving to death. So he was begging for food. He said, what do you want me to give me? He said, I'll sign myself as an Eved, Eved Olam. So he signed it from the Shtar. So quickly there were Choret, they etched in the bottom of the soul of Mordechai Shu, Ani Haman ben Hamdata, etc. At least I saw myself, and in Persian he wrote it, right? He, he saw them as Eved Olam. So Haman forgot about that, became now the big shot Haman, and he now had his anger, and, and he made himself into an idol. He had an idol on his chest, and an idol on his back, and he had everyone bow down to him. So they bowed down to the idol. Mordechai didn't bow down. So I sort of bow down to an idol, especially publicly. Right? So, so every time he saw Haman, what did Mordechai do? He stuck out, the Midrash says, he just stuck out his shoe. So you think Mordechai did it like sad? Mordechai did it with a smile. Mordechai was happy. And the rest of they say, I remember Nachman, he says, Mordechai knew there was going to be a salvation. He didn't know how, but he knew there was going to be a salvation. He knew the thing is to cry into Davin, okay? But the crying into Davining is in order to read the Simcha. Because the main thing to keep a Jew up is the Simcha. The danger, the Pachad, for sure it's still Pachad, so they have to Davin. But the Simcha that was produced from the miracle of Purim by the Davening, was so great that this is the biggest simcha of the year. Okay? And it says, It says, And the days of Purim are being done every generation. So Nosson explains, Rabbeinu explains, that the whole goal of Purim is to activate this high level of simcha. There's a simcha available on Purim, that he can go through the entire year, but the thing is to connect to it, to connect to that symptom. That's why it's so important to work on, on davening, to be zochet, to be able to have porn properly, to drink well, and to be really happy, even on Shtusa. So to go back to what we were saying, the goyim can't stand that the yidin are happy, right? So what's the look, for example, what happened? What happened on Friday? I have to talk about it. Yiddish kids, Jewish kids, dressed for Shabbos, you see their pictures, they look happy, they look clean and everything, killed. And now what are, the Arab, what are they going doing, the Arabs doing? They were celebrating, okay? They're, celebrating, they're giving out cakes and everything that, uh, that they were able to kill. So what, what are they trying to show? We're happy, and you Jews are mourning, okay? So the Yidin are mourning. There's a mourning period. There's seven days, there's Shloshim, but then life goes on, okay? So that means, what is, what is, what is the secret of a Jew? That even though we have periods of mourning, but it's followed by a Nechama, a Simcha. Rabbi Nosson says clearly that a Jew can't just live by Kinot. A Jew lives on sadness and kino. They can't, can't live like that. You can't live just by being crying. And you have people that they're not, you have people the Kotel, some people like that. But they're not just at midnight crying tikkun chatzot. They're crying all day long. All day they're wearing torn clothing and mourning and everything. That's not the way. He says, I'm not saying that Jew can't live on mourning mode. It won't help a person. A person needs simcha. So there's no simcha. He won't get anywhere. Forget it. He won't get anywhere. So because of that, the thing is, they come to the true simcha. And again, the goyim can't, can't handle that. Going back, the goyim can't handle because they don't have that. They don't have lasting simcha. It's temporary. Everything's temporary. So here, they kill a few Jews. They're happy. They're happy for how long? One, two, three days. And then they're back to their depression. Right? They're to their depression, negative mode. But Yidin, we have a mourning period, a difficulty. We get out of it. We come back to being the Simcha. The Goyim can't handle this. They can't stand this because they don't have any true Simcha at all whatsoever. So now Rav Nosson says, so what can we do now to regain the Simcha that's in Galut, that's trapped in exile? 
Basin says, this is why specifically in order mm -hmm. to extract the simcha from the galut, Jewish people have to act silly. <laughs> have to tell jokes. You won't be besimcha, but you're always serious and the Rosh Hashiva and everything. It won't happen. It won't happen. The simcha is going to stay in galut. You have to tell jokes. You have to be happy and silly. Why? Because since the they take the simcha of holiness and put it under shtuyot, under stupidities and their foolishness, so we, to counter that, Rebbe says this, we have to do what's called mili deshtuta. Explain a little, okay? The Gemara in Brachot says a term called mili dibdichuta. The Zora says mili deshtuta, to explain. The, the Gemara says that it was Rabba, Resh Bete, that he would, before giving a shir, to talk, it's a Gemara in Brachot, he would say over mili dibdichuta before a shir, which means, and there was a few Amoraim in the Gemara, that they would tell jokes and, and act funny before giving a shear. And the Mepharshim explained, they did it purposely to open up the heart. They would appreciate, the, they, they, can learn, they can learn better. When the Talmudim are in a very happy and joking mood as a, as a prerequisite, it was, that was needed to, in order to learn. So he would like tell over jokes, Batchan means to be Sameach, and that would give them in a good mood to learn. He did it purposely. The Zohar says something else. Rabbi Hamnun Asava, who is the one, I think he's, we said in the last class, he's the one buried next to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai before he had to Meron. Rabbi Hamnun Asava, he would give over what's called Mile Dishtuta. What's the difference? What's Mile Dishtuta? Words of foolishness. So the Mefarshim, the Peshat Mefarshim, up to maybe 300 years ago, they explained like this. This means that Rabbi Hamnun Asava, he would go into the philosophies, the false philosophies of the world, show his Talmudim how that's all false, and with that, start the learning of the Torah. His intent was, by looking how stupid the hashkafa, the, how wrong is the philosophy, they would appreciate more the learning. Comes along a book from not so long ago, maybe 20 years ago, Damesek Eliezer, there's a parish Damesek Eliezer on the Zohar. He says, to do this today is super duper dangerous. We're so weak in our emuna. That if we are to do the, 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 the interpretation of Mili Dishtuta, which means to learn philosophy, we learn following Torah, you get trapped in the philosophy. And we spoke about this last class, if you remember. And then you're lost in the, in the Torah. You don't get it. So Rav Nosin comes along, quoting Rabbi Nachman, who says Mili Dibdichuta and Mili Dishtuta. The Mili Dibdichuta in the Gemara, in Brachot, and Mili Dishtuta in the Zohar, Vaikra, Sefer, Vaikra, Ramana, Sava, it's one and the same. The Mili Dishtuta is silliness of telling jokes. You got that? Not silliness of accusing, look how wrong the goyim are and the hashkafa and how stupid they are and everything. No, it's telling jokes about how stupid they are. Yeah, you can tell jokes though. Telling the jokes, acting silly on yourself. says, this is the interpretation of Midrashtuta and Midrashtuta. So Rav says going back, because we're in Galut and the Simcha is trapped by the, in the Galut and it's trapped in the realm of shtuyot, of stupidity, because the proof is, like we said earlier, that the going of access to our simcha. Simcha, when you see, for example, you go to an airport. What do we see in the airport? The happy travelers. You see these, these going from all over the world. Oh, yeah, they're like excited. They're, they're wearing the rubber ducky uh, thing and the shirt, you know, and the, the shorts. And they're getting ready to go to, to uh, Maui and, uh, I don't know, Zimbabwe. I don't know, wherever. And they're just so happy. That's not their simcha. That's our simcha. They're stealing our simcha because they were in Galut. This, the, the simcha is only shayach the Jewish people. Rav Nelson says, the shorish 
of Simcha is by the Yidin. It's a Pasuk in Yeshayahu or Yemiyahu. Yeshayahu. Ha'amusim mini beten. We're called, Hashem is Ha'amusim. We are being carried by the Shekhinah. Mina beten. When we're still in the stomach. Where we're still in Hashem's stomach. We're still, before Shabbat came out, we're being carried by the by, by Hashem. As opposed to the Goyim, we're Omsim. There's Amusim, which means we're being carried by Hashem. And the Goyim, they're Omsim. They carry their idols. They, they create an idol. And they put it in the luggage. They put it in their package. They put it in their wagon. They carry their 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 idol. Their god they carry. They're carrying the idol. We're the opposite. Hashem's carrying us. So Allah says, "Mini betin," that we're part of the Shechina. The Jewish people. That's again. That's why the goyim hate us because we're the representation of simcha. They can't kill our simcha. Something funny will happen. I have to say, my children, two of my kids, after what happened on Friday here in Yerushalayim, the dafka, two of my kids. They walk to the Kotel to Shar Shechem. Shar Shechem is like the Arab section, you know. It's the one you, you have doubts to go into. <laughs> You're not so sure if you want to go in that, that direction. They went Bedafka, and the Arabs there was a victorious day. They were so happy what happened on Friday with the killing of the of the terrorist attack. So they're going, they were like looking at them like, yeah. Even when they said to my kids, shh. And my kids walked through smiling. Now, I, I mean, I don't know if, I'm not suggesting to do this. They did it. What can I do? Talking after the fact. But the idea is, they smiled at them. You didn't touch us. You didn't touch our simcha. You can't touch the eternal simcha of the Yirin because it's connected to the Eibishter. Okay? There was a story. I mean, it was it was in a movie called Schindler's, Schindler's List. It was a movie put by uh, Steven Spielberg on the Holocaust, on a true story, based on a true story. So I'm assuming, from what they took from the movie, it actually happened. Because from six million Yirin, that this won't happen, it doesn't make sense. It makes sense that this happened that he shot for no reason a Jewish girl from Italy. And before they shot her for no reason, she said to the Nazi, you think this is going to finish us? It's not going to finish us. And while she's talking, the Nazi like kills her. She shoots her. But she said, it's not going to kill us. It's not going to finish us. The Yidin, the fire of the Yiddishkeit is eternal. It can't, can't do away with us. It's impossible. She said, you think killing the Jews is going to solve the Jewish problem? You're wrong. It's not going to solve the Jewish problem. The flame will continue of all the Jews that, that remain. And we start again. And it continues. That's Yiddishkeit. It's happy. I have a friend who lives in Uman. He grew up in communist Russia. Communist Russia, communism, everybody was Tisha B'Av. Everybody. Sad. Sad. Can you imagine living in a, in a society where 24-7, all year round, people were just sad? Can you imagine how it is? And he told me that when he got to see finally in like the Kiev library or Vinitsa library of, you know, of the history of the Jewish like artifacts and pictures, so you see pictures of Yiddin from the Shtetlich in, 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 in Ukraine. What do you see on their faces? They're smiling. The Yiddin, you see like the old man from like the, the Shtetl in Berdichev, whatever, in the, in the marketplace. And the Yiddin are smiling. He told you, the thing he told me, he says, you see, they're all happy. When he wanted to give me his observation, growing up as a secular Jew in communist Russia, and finally seeing pictures of how life was in in, in Eastern Europe and in Ukraine 100 years ago, 150 years ago, what was the, what was the picture he got? They're all happy. <laughs> He's saying that because he grew up in the exact opposite. Tisha B'Av, total Tisha B'Av. I had a joke, I've told a joke. Hungarians, unfortunately, the Hungarian society, they're also under communists, right? So they have a joke about Hungarians. Why are there so, so many Hungarians in Gehenam? Why are there so many Hungarians in hell? 
Because when one tries to leave, they pull him back in. They know you have to be sad with us. We want you to be sad with us. They pull him back in. He tries to, he gets it okay to leave. No, no, no. We want you to stay with us and be sad with us. <laughs> it's crazy. That's the world. They can't stand the simcha of the yidin. Because the yidin have a way to get out of things. That's, that's, a, that's the definition of a mitzvah. The mitzvah reconnects us. Like the yo-yo. It goes down, but it goes back up. We're always connected. Because of that connection, we have simcha. The going don't have that connection because they're taking the simcha, they're putting it on Olam Azeh, on the Taibis and everything. The simcha itself can't stand it. The simcha is an entity. Simcha, like emunah, Rabbi Nachman says this, emunah, chokhmah, sechel, omidot, yira, bitachon, it's an entity, it's an essence. It's something. Okay, so the simcha can't stand this world. It can't stand what people are happy about, but it has no choice. It comes to join, to make them happy in what they're doing, but then it leaves. Okay, you finished now? You came back from your club med, you came back from your party, you came back. Okay, thank you. I can leave now. I can leave now. The person has anger, goes to sleep. He wakes up so negative. Like his life is miserable. He comes back to work, miserable. Okay? This is the goyim. This is Haman Malek. This is what he wants, always attacking the yidin to yes, bring them down. We're not saying that Yidin don't fall into depression. They do. Okay? Who's at cause? Who's at fault? Aman Amalek. He's always trying to get a person constantly worried, and he shouldn't have the opportunity to think about life. He's always attacking. What is about this? That is the worries. This is Aman Amalek, always attacking. Okay? Purim, the, the, the miracle of Purim is that even with all the attacks of Aman Amalek, I can push off everything and be Bismillah. The simcha overruns, overpowers. Even though I am as I am, I know some people in Purim, it's chaval. They drink and they start crying and they start doing vidui. And they start, <laughs> it's a ma'ala, it's a level that when you drink on Purim and you can be happy. So many people, they drink and they start, they start crying. I know people, they start crying. Oh. <laughs> you ever seen that before? They're like crying, what happened? Be happy. Start doing vidui. They start doing Yom Kippur on Purim from the drinking. But really, the drinking is supposed to bring you to this simcha. It's a schut. Okay? That's the only way to get to it. So he said also, that's why we drink. Because the drinking is where the mind is imbalanced, which is a type of shtuyot, mila dishtuta. When you're drunk, it's a type of mila dishtuta. And in that way, you go to extract the simcha from the galut. That's why it's so important to drink. To be zoche, you need to buy good wine. You don't get sick. How about to buy cheap wine? I drink and I, I can't drink. Most people... When they say I can't drink, is because they don't, they don't know how to buy wine. They're not wine connoisseurs. They buy the cheap wine, and they just take the first thing, and, uh, and you know, they're sick already. Chaval, you waste it. Get the good wine. Invest all year round to buy a good bottle of wine on Purim. I see that. The secret for a good Purim is you have to have good wine. Because not, you get stomach pain, and this, and your heartburn, and this, and then you just, you lost it. Chaval. Get, invest to get good wine. That way you can really have the same. It's worth investing to get a high-quality, expensive wine that's not going to hurt you. And yes, get you drunk good, smooth, without throwing up, without feeling sick and miserable. Most many, many people they can't they can't uh, they, they can't stand for me. Like, oh, I'm I'm way, I'm scared for this. They get drinking and they get feel sick, and then four days afterwards of hangover and feeling vomiting and this. You know, most people they're scared of poor because of that. People know that you have to drink, right? But if you buy good wine, doesn't happen. Okay, this one went too off, but this is Rav Nosson says this is why we have to tell jokes. Why have to be silly, and especially on Purim, especially on Purim, it's a mitzvah to put on a clown 
Yes, it's a mitzvah for this big shot Rosh Hashiva who's wearing the clean frock. There's not even one fold on his bekeshe. He's so super clean. The tie is nice and that. Him to take off his nice Rosh Hashiva hat and put on the clown hat and put on the nose and make people laugh. Yes, even him, because this is the way to tap into the simcha that's trapped in the galut. You have to descend yourself into shtut, into silliness, stupidity, foolishness to extract the simcha that's there to bring it out of the Okay, with all that said, oof, let's go back now. We're now holding again in the Sivav. Let's go over it again. Sivav, lesson 24, the Kutim Moran, paragraph number six. Okay. We're going to go into Hamal. Anyways, we have to go into Haman Amalek today. Watch. Okay, let's just recap from the beginning of the paragraph into where we want to get to today. The Pasuk from Shemot. So again, Torah Kav Dalit. So lesson 24, Sivav. Okay, if you remember, a person, he said, again, this is based on what he said earlier, a person has to draw faith into the blessing of intellect. Intellect alone is not enough. If you think Judaism is just learning and learning and absorbing, you're wrong. The goal of all that is to put it into emunah. You have to, okay, your cup is the intellect. You're learning, you're studying. But in that, you have to put emunah. Because you should not rely on the intellect alone as it's known. What do you mean to rely on the intellect? To rely on the intellect for what you're looking for. What are you looking for? Connect to Hashem. Connect to Hashem will not be dependent exclusively on intellect. Yes, partially intellect. But the emunah you put in the intellect. Because what does intellect do? What does holy sechel always do? Whenever you learn, it's like megale tefach. The more you learn, what were they saying in the yeshivas? The more you learn, the more you see how much you don't know. The more you learn Torah, it's like opening a world to a totally new room that you didn't know existed. Oh my God. I thought I mastered the suge. I thought I mastered the inyan. And then they showed there's a whole new world you didn't even open up to. And it just doesn't stop. That's the Torah. Okay? So Sechel upgrades you. Yes. There's the difference between someone who's just learning Chumash, to someone who knows the learning there's a difference, yes, okay. The Sechel is more refined, but still what's common factor for both the one starting Chumash and Rashi and the one who's learning Gemara and Poskim and Kabbalah and everything, is they both have to put emuna. They both have, have to act like as Nosen writes a few times, he says, this was one of the biggest Chidushim of Rabbi Nachman. That <laughs> an hour ago, he would reveal one of the most amazing lessons in the Kutim Aram, he would give over unbelievable ideas that you never knew even existed. And then an hour later, he would say, I don't know anything. <laughs> he would say, I don't know. And he said about himself, my Eino Yodea, his Eino Yodea was a greater Chidush than his Yodea. In other words, the, he said, The purpose of knowing is to realize that you don't know. So Nachman teaches, this applies at every level. That's like end. It's like, okay, the goal of all my life of knowledge is to realize that in the end I don't know. He says it's more than that. Every level in your life, you're always going through levels of a newer discovery, a newer understanding. At that level, you ah, I understand now. Right after, there's a I don't understand. Right after, because because there's endless levels, and you're now open, you're exposed to a higher level, revealing that above that there's a new level that didn't exist, didn't know it existed before. And you're always down here, you are here too three, four, where you didn't know that these levels existed. When you're close to it, you're not aware of this newer level of a concept of an intellect 
We had no idea it existed. So anyways, you have to use Emuna. Now I need Emuna for the next level above me. Okay, I need in the past, I need, like we're mostly, we went to this last time. In the past, I used Emuna to get to the level that I'm at now and understanding. Now that I've attained it, oh, okay, it's internalized. Now next level, and that level, you have no grasp at all whatsoever. So he says, at every level, every level you have knowledge, emuna, knowledge, emuna, knowledge, emuna, okay? And you're going to need the emuna to put in. It's the biggest chidush. Rabbi Nachman, he gave over a big Torah, and afterwards he said, I don't know. And he said once to Rabbi Nachman, just like you don't know, I also don't know. He couldn't believe it. You just revealed one of the biggest lessons. Unbelievable. And now you don't know anything? So I can swear, Rabbi Nachman says, I can swear on the Holy Shabbos that I don't know. He said it when he was a woman. Before he passed away, or sorry, in Breslev, before his fire burned down, his house burned down by fire. There was a fire in Breslev in 1810 before he passed away. He said, I swear by the Holy Shabbos, I know nothing. I don't, I can, he swore by Shabbos Kodesh that I don't know anything. What's going on? You just revealed the lesson. He said, this applies, and Rablosan pointed this out to so show that this applies to everybody. Even the guy who really doesn't know anything, and the biggest Tamil Chacham, the biggest Tzadik who knows, they both have the situation in life where they don't know. There's walking with Emunah. And Mamish, when you see them, you know, he, he said he said about himself, and what I don't know, there's such I have such rahmanuta, that's me. Rabbi Nachman said, I have such myself that I was holding at such high level, and everything just disappeared. Disappeared, and I was just emuna. Where did it all go? Crazy. And that's the goal. That you internalize, you get up, and now your emuna is enhanced for a higher level. That's how it is in life. So he says, you should not rely on intellect for what? You shouldn't rely on intellect when you're pursuing to come closer to Hashem. You perceive us in the beginning of the lesson. The beginning of the lesson is the orange of to perceive the infinite light, which is the goal of every Jew. He's running after something he doesn't know what, what it is. Every Jew in life is running and running. Every person in life is running after something. They don't know what they're running after. People are running. No one's sitting there. No one who's sitting now is a person who's depressed. But other than that, people who have an ambition, they're running, running. What's pushing them to run forward, to go forward in life? It's the infinite light. The way to perceive it is only to emuna. So we said, right? Remember when it is Pasuk? The man of faith, Ish, we said last week, last class, represents someone who's like solid. Like Ish, Naomi, Ish, Moshe, Yaakov, Ish, Tam, Yoshevo, Alim. Ish represents that this is me. The person's essence, I'm a man, a man of faith. Ish emunot means... He's a man of faith. Okay? And we brought down the Midrash. You remember this refers to Moshe Rabbeinu, also Yaakov. Ish emunot, a man of faith, Rav Brachot. Okay? So the Midrash says this about Moshe Rabbeinu. And it's in plural, emunot. Because here we said last class, if you remember, this is a hint that you need emunan tzaddikim. He's a man. And emunot, the plural, the faiths. Not faith. Emunot. If it was ish singular, I would read, I, he would have written in Mishlei, Ish Emunah, a man of faith. Why faith in plural, Ish Emunot? Because it's the Emunah of the people, the folk, in the Tzadikim. Ish Emunot, he's a man of faith. This institutes Rav Brachot. Also, I know we said this last class, Rav also is like a Rebbe, a Rebbe of Brachot. You owe Brachot from the Rebbe, so you have to put your Emunah in Tzadikim. Okay? We're going to now go into this thing what is the role of tzaddikim and emunah tzaddikim in my life? So this is like the second pasuk we've been learning. He brings another pasuk. There's something to learn. 
Yadav Emuna. What in the world is going on here? What in the world is going on here? First of all, this pasuk, this is taken from Parashat B'Shalach, towards the end of the parasha, the end of the parasha, the war against Amalek. Amalek vayavu Amalek vayilachem in Yisrael birfidim. Right, Amalek came and he waged war against Israel at Refidim. What's Refidim? Like she says, Rifion Yadayim. The Jews had, Rifion means a, like a weakening, a letting go of hands. What does it mean a letting go? They weren't so holding on to Torah performance, Torah commitments, doing with their hands. Rifion is always reflect, reflected in the hands, which fits in perfectly in our lesson. Hands and Emunah go hand in hand. So birfidim, when the Jews let go of the emunah, that's when Amalek came in. Because Amalek, Amalek attacks, he succeeds to attack and bring down a person when his emunah is weak in the first place. So Amalek attacks. What was the refuah here? The refuah here was that Moshe Rabbeinu went up on the mountain and all the Jews can see him. This is pointed out from the Gemara and from the Midrash and from the Zohar. That Moshe Rabbeinu Right, the famous Gemara Rosh Hashanah, that Moshe Rabbeinu would raise his hands, the Gavar Yisrael. His hands were weakened, the Gavar Amalek. The famous Gemara, you all know the Mishnah, Vichy Yedei Moshe. Is it, but is it Moshe Rabbeinu who's fighting? The whole war is dependent on, on Moshe. Rather, when the Jews would see his hands and then they would turn to Hashem because of that, they would win. So the idea of the hands of Moshe Rabbeinu on the Pshat level is to get the Jews to wake up in their moon again. Because the whole reason Amalek is attacking of Rifion Yadayim. So when they saw Moshe Rabbeinu's hands spread out, spread out in what? Like Onkelos translates. How does Onkelos translate? That's the Targum. means spread out in prayer. So Onkelos translates. And Moshe Rabbeinu's hands were faith. What does that mean? His hands, when hands were faith, faithful, that they were like the word, you can trust them, they won't fall. They were spread out in prayer. That means emuna means prayer. When we say someone is a person emunah, what does that mean? That means a person who davens. He's a davener. You hear that? The, 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 the item that reflects a person's emunah more than anything else is his davening. You can say how the person has a lot of emunah when it comes to money, it's stuck and everything has emunah and emunah, emunah. Where does it come out? Where do you see a person's emunah? In their davening. And the davening is like, when the person's emunah is the person takes time to talk to Hashem every day. So that's Emunah. That's, that's your connection to Emunah. Amalek attacks when Emunah is weakened. Emunah is weakened, Emunah comes, he scares a person, the person now reconnects to Hashem. That's what's needed. It's in the, I saw recently, it's in the, it's in the Midrash, this week's Parsha, Parsha in Midrash Tanhuma in the Parsha, that as soon as a Jew wakes up to come back to Hashem, it's a, it's a fixed. The whole reason why a person got hit because he fell. So now, if he wakes the message, he gets the right message, and he wakes up, things get fixed, right? I had once by me, that was unbelievable. Once, I started to have some pain, a funny pain in my, my leg. It was getting worse and worse and worse. I needed to walk. I was trying to exercise and walking everything, and the pain wouldn't go away. And it got worse, and I was governing Hashem, don't bring me to hospitals. I hate hospitals. I hate, I'm sorry, I'm going to say people to say, I hate doctors. <laughs> I hate doctors. I hate hospitals. The Rebbe also hated, right? I don't like doctors. I don't like hospitals. 
I don't like their diagnosis of olam and and everyone. Anyways, when you go to doctor, everybody's sad. When you go to hospital, that is the aviavot tisha be'av in the world. The spitz. If you want to really be sad on tisha be'av, go to hospital. That's a good idea. You want to be sad on tisha be'av, go to hospital. You want to be sad, but that's the whole thing. You not to be sad on, on tisha be'av to be brokenhearted. But people are depressed. You want to be depressed, really? Go to the hospital. See what depression is. So you learn first time, okay? So I was trying my best to avoid. It was getting worse and worse. I was taking painkiller. So I started slowly. I'm eating health. I'm trying to eat healthy, eat properly. No, it's not going away. I go to a regular, uh, a gender, a GP doctor who's also a breast liver. <laughs> but he was a, a, a regular doctor who also was a friend. And he had no idea what it was. He called in other doctors. They couldn't figure out what it was. He sent me to another a surgeon, and the surgeon was flipping out. He can't figure it out. He says, I can't cut you open and see what it is. I don't have the scan. We have to send you to uh, the immune uh, intensive care. So go to the hospital immediately. So he went, I didn't want to do this. I couldn't walk anymore. I was limping. I couldn't walk. So a friend picked me up, took me to the hospital, and they do, a, they do what's called the ultrasound scan. And I, I see the face of the lady who's doing the ultrasound. She's looking at it. And she's looking at the screen like for 10 minutes. She calls over someone. They say, we don't know what it is. <laughs> and the whole time I'm davening Hashem. You know, I don't know what you want from me. I'm trying to do tshuva. And the whole time when I'm in the hospital, I'm crying. I say, Hashem, help me. I know all this. It's because I'm doing something wrong. So I'm asking you to help me. And as I'm davening, they're checking me. They can't figure it out. Checking and then they said, we have, we have to keep you overnight here. We might have to keep you overnight here because we know what it is. We have to do the other MRI. And the MRI scan, the guy comes only in the morning and, and it's, we don't know what it is. And we're going to, and all these, they brought the head of the hospital to, of that section to come. And they had no idea what it was. You know, you see 5,000 people a year, you kill tons of people. I don't know. And you don't know what, you don't know what I'm going through. So I was just, I said, Hashem, you win. Because she said in the end, we're going to keep you here overnight. And that was the biggest panic for me because there was a hospital here in Yerushalayim where they had so many people in the hospital. There were beds in the hallway. So many people there and all types of people, you know, people not so clean and this and looking at you and they want to steal your wallet and you don't know what's happening. I felt so bad and I felt, Hashem, you win. You win, Hashem. I started crying to Hashem. I said, Hashem, you found a place where to punish me. I'll accept it. Please forgive me. I just cried from the bottom of my heart because I knew it was Hashem doing this. And right after, the doctor says, listen, we're going to let you go. We need antibiotics and everything. He said, that's for joy. You sign. When you come in, you have to sign that whatever they do, you have to accept whatever, you know, you sign on that. So I, I left hurriedly and I began to be able to walk again. And after a day, the pain went away by itself. No, it went by itself. I'm just saying that, you know, you get, it's a parsha. This week said, Midrash Tan Chuma. Hashem just gives you a patch. You respond like you're supposed to respond. And it's not the patch. It's Hashem doing it. And you get the message. You get the message, Hashem, I know you're doing this, okay? So this is the idea of Amalek. So when they saw Moshe Rabbeinu's hands, that strengthened their emunah. So there's many things on this passage. First of all, as Rashi points out, it should say for the grammar, Yadav emuna. Yadav is plural. His hands were faith. So if the pasuk is going on the hands, the pasuk should read logically, you and they were in plural. What were in plural? His hands, yadav, emuna, faith. It makes sense to say you 
everybody on, on, on this pasuk, the Marsha, the Rashi, Zohar, everyone goes on this pasuk. They say, Vayi Moshe, The diuk here, the focus of the pasuk is not Moshe Rabbeinu's hands, it's Moshe Rabbeinu, his hands. Can you understand the difference? It's not the hands of Moshe Rabbeinu, where the, the, the emphasis is on the hands. It's Moshe Rabbeinu's hands. The point is, his hands. Not anybody else's hands. Moshe Rabbeinu's hands. Moshe Rabbeinu. What is Moshe Rabbeinu? What is, what is Moshe Rabbeinu? He's Moshe Rabbeinu. What is he represented by? That his hands are emuna. Okay? Let's go on a few details there. It says that his hands became heavy. So they came and they put an evan under Moshe Rabbeinu. He sat on Evan, like Rashi brings down, quoting the Gemara. You know, put under him a pillow. Moshe Ben, why does he sit on the stone, a rock? You know, his age, fine, he's strong, but it's respectable for such a leader of Israel to sit on a comfortable mattress. Why on the stone? So, like the Gemara says, from here we learn that even Tzadikim Tamidei Chachamim, after they Mishtatef B'Tzaratan Shah Yisrael, the Jews are going through a difficulty. The Talmud Chacham can't say, has nothing to do with me. I continue my life. I have nothing to do with this. It's like, for example, when there's like a big rally and they want all the Jewish people to come. Okay? So the person can't say, it doesn't have nothing to do with me. It's I, I'm a tzaddik. The person can say, I'm a tzaddik. I'm a perfect tzaddik. I love Moshe Rabbeinu. And this is the Jewish people's problem. Let them take time from their Torah, do bitul Torah, and let them go to the rally and, and atzer tefillah. What do I have to do with this? Is no. Even, even though you're a tzaddik, you have to learn from Moshe Rabbeinu that he says, Imo anuchi. I'm also after Mishnah, I joined in them with the suffering. So how did he do that at his level? He couldn't go down to fight because he had to be up there holding his hands. Okay? He said Yeshua as his representative. Rashi says in the Pshat that he was punished for sending Yeshua, right? But of course, the Zohar fits in perfectly that he sent Yeshua and that he was fighting on top. We'll go into this a little. He had to be there. So the way he can show that he's with Am Yisrael is that he had some tsar, he sat on a stone. And then it says that Chur, Aaron was on his right hand, Chur on the left hand, and they held up his hand. So the, the, the Farshim say something amazing. Moshe Rabbeinu was super tall. He was tall. He was 10 amot high. So Aaron and Chur, they couldn't reach his hands. So once Moshe sat down, then they could reach his hands, and then they held up his hands. Aaron, Aaron and Chur held up the hands, okay? So now... You have Aaron on the right side, Chor on the left side, Moshe Rabbeinu in the middle of his hands. This combination is the idea of Chesed, Gvua, Tiferet. You say Aaron represents Avraham. Avraham is Chesed, Aaron is Chesed. Yitzchak is Chor, Yitzchak is Gvua, and Chor also the son of Miriam. Miriam is Mal, difficulty, bitter. So Chor was the son of Miriam, also is the left side, and Moshe Rabbeinu was in the middle representing Yaakov. So Yaakov Avinu was represented by the heaven. So watch this. If you look earlier in Sif Hey, Sif No, sorry, in Sif Dalit. Sif Dalit, where Rinachman says a person has to reach, elevate the legs to the level of the hands. So he says, why do you have to do that? Because you have to activate bracha. And where's bracha found? By the legs. So he says in Sif Dalit, brachot. The essence of the blessings come from the hands. Bivchinat brings two psukim. Like it says, 
Aharon raised his hands to the nation and blessed him. From here, this pasuk, the Gemara learns all the laws in Sota are Birkat Kwanim. Birkat Kwanim doesn't have hands, he can't do him. He can't go up and do Dukhin. If now there's a blemish in his hands, he can't do Dukhin. If he's weak and with his hands, he can't do Dukhin. The hands have to be up because the bracha comes to the hands. Okay? That the hands is the source of bracha. But this is pasuk, from the bracha of Yaakov to Yosef in the parsha of Ayichi, right towards the end. Midei, all these brachas came ben poat Yosef ben poat Aliain. The brachas that Yosef received from his father. Midei avir Yaakov. Like, sorry, sorry, not the ben poat is Moshe Rabbeinu's bracha. I'm sorry. Vateshev beitan kashto. That's the bracha of of, 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 of Yaakov to Yosef. And then it says, all these blessings come to to Yosef. Midei Avir Yaakov from the hands of the strong one of Yaakov, of the Abirut, the strength of Yaakov. That's how it's interpreted. Misham, and from there, watch this. This is unbelievable. Misham, from the hands of Yaakov, Ro'eh Even Yisrael. The stone that Moshe Rabbeinu, the Ro'eh, the shepherd of Israel, was sitting on. Okay, the son that by, by now, by Amalek, going back to Vayada Vemuna, he was sitting on an Evan, right? What is this Evan? It's representing Yaakov. So the Pasuk is hinting from the hands of Yaakov, already Moshe Rabbeinu, the Ro'eh of Israel, Ro'eh, the shepherd of Moshe Rabbeinu, is getting the Evan, the, 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 the stone of Israel. He's sitting on the rock. From this Pasuk, Evan Yisrael, we know that Moshe sitting on the rock was to activate the, the, the on our on, on interpretation, Moshe Rabbeinu needed right hand, left hand, and him, himself to activate what's called the three hands. There's the right hand, which is Yaakov, the left hand, which is called Vura, Yitzhak, and the middle, the torso, which connects the two hands, so it's like a middle hand. Menachemah and Mazur go into this concept, it's called the middle hand. It's activated also when a person taps his hands, as a lesson of Menachemah in lesson 44, 45, 46, why it's so important to clap hands in the Right hand, left hand, and then you have a middle hand. When you cut up the hands, it's activating the middle hand. Until the Baal Shem Tov's time, the Arizal said that the, the way they activate it is by joining the hands. You see, you govern like this seriously. Like, like an Eved Ifnei with Pachad and Eima. The Baal Shem Tov came, and the Hasidu teaches, we connect the hands not this way anymore. We connect it to clapping. We have to infuse Simcha in the davening. So now it's no longer this fear. In older generations, since there's always this concept that in older generations, fear was okay, pachad, that was enough. Today, people are so weak, you give them any bit of fear, they drop everything. So because of the, the main the main healing for today is simcha. So even in davening, this idea to clap your hands, and it activates what was done by the Arizal of joining the hands together here, it's joined together by this. So in our context, also Yaakov Avinu, being the middle part also, was activated by Moshe Rabbeinu, Sitting on the rock, that's like the midday Avir Yaakov, Misham Mo'ev, and it says this activates the middle hand. So Moshe Rabbeinu was activating the hands, and Vahi Adav Emuna, he was channeling Emuna into his hands. Moshe Rabbeinu had obviously the hands of the whole Torah in his hands, but he had now to activate Emuna into the hands, which is the idea of the Sechem. Yaakov, we said Sikelet Yadav, remember? So you didn't see that. It's if hey, it's a Sikelet Yadav. Yaakov switched his hands. Yaakov has the sechel of the hands. Sechel, sikel et yadav. With that sechel of the yadav, Moshe Rabbeinu activated by sitting on the stone. 
And then Aaron and Chor, that's Abraham and Yitzhak there, okay? The Ramban adds a dimension, okay? That his fingers were spread out. What's so special about the fingers of the hands? So he says the Ramban, the 10 fingers activate. We went into this many times. The 10 fingers activate the 10 spirit. You hear that? The human being went into this many, many times. Hashem created the human being that we have fingers that look like tzinorot, tubes. Animals, they have like this, you know, monkeys and their lying lines and dogs, cats, their fingers are curved with nails like this. The human being, even the monkey, you know, we see that they're crying on the, or the zoo, you see they're, they're like this, they're not straight. Human beings have straight fingers, as Zora says, because they're like tzinorot. They're like funnels, tubes. Tzinorot channels to receive bracha. The, all the brachot come through the hand, the fingers. So Moshe activated all the ten spherot and put them into emuna. The ten spherot correspond to levels of intellect way above a person. Chochma, bina, dad, chesed, gvura, tiferet, netzachod, yesod. Okay, and the final is malchut. Malchut is emuna. We're going to see coming up in the next pasuk. Kama beadecha mamlechet yesod. We didn't even start that. The third pasuk <laughs> with tzadok and David Amelech. We have a lot to go into. But Moshe was channeling intellect. By, by spreading his ten fingers into emuna, because that's the key to fight Amalek. If a person now just learns Torah, Amalek has it. Torah without emuna, forget it. Because why? Amalek will use the Torah a person's learning to break it. Ah, you don't get up on time. You don't do what you're learning. You don't fulfill. He's always attacking with the sechel. The person's learning, 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 and there's no time for emuna chaser shalom. That's how Amalek gets it. Okay. So now, what Moshe Rabbeinu was doing was getting for all of Am Yisrael, by he, Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the representation of all Am Yisrael, his hands, which contained the ten fingers, emuna. He put all the sechel into emuna. Okay, that was the idea of that. Another point, we'll finish with this, is that, so why didn't the war, like, why was it finished totally? Why did Moshe Rabbeinu purposely leave Amalek alive? It says, right, Yeshua cut off the Rashim. In that battle, Yeshua killed almost entirely Amalek, but not, not exactly. He left the, 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 he left a remnant of Amalek. Rashi says, Rashi says in Mishnah that Yeshua with the Jewish people, they killed off the leaders of Amalek, leaving the weak ones. Why? Rashi says, Hashem told Moshe to tell them to stop. Why? Destroy Amalek totally. So he, the, the Rakanti says an amazing rule. The Rakanti, by the way, he's the, I think we, 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 we spoke with Rakanti last week, last class. The Rakanti is the biggest example of someone who never gave up. Rakanti, if you should know who he was, he only started writing his insights on the Chumash, which is all at age 85. For 80 years, he asked Hashem, open my mind. At age five, when he was a child in the Cheder, he saw the man of the already. At age five in Italy, wherever he was, Mikanti, he saw he had a thick head and he saw he's not going to succeed in learning Torah. He understood his life is going to be going into. What's his, what's his message, brother? Okay. He, started, he saw that his head was thick and he's not going to have a brain for learning Torah. So he devoted his time just to ask Hashem, open my brain to the Torah. They, they, they said the story is 80 years, 80 years he davened. At age 85 on his birthday, he had a dream, I think, of Ramah Vinu. He gave him like a cup of water to drink and a nice fancy glass. He said, drink. He drank from the glass. He woke up. 
And he started to hold all those opened up in front of him. He opened the Chumash, and he began to see all these secrets of the Torah in front of his eyes. The whole Torah just opened up for him after 80 years of davening. <laughs> 80 years, he didn't give up. He kept on davening for 80 years. He only started writing his Hidush at the end of his life, the Merkanti. Can you believe that? So he says like this, something amazing. He says, in order for the, for the, for the destroy totally evil, it has to be step by step. It has to be step by step. Person wants to do away with something. Once and for all, I'm going to cut totally. Okay, and then he falls back afterwards. The way of dealing with evil in life, with challenges, with, with bad addictions and things, is it has to be chipping away. You can't. If you destroy the evil totally in one shot, the, the, if you don't leave any maimachorni, you don't give any doggy bone to the evil, like they say, that's the idea of the maimachorni, is you give a doggy bone to the dog, to the Yitzhara, so he's busy chewing on that, and he can let you do what you're doing in life. If now you try to fight head on the evil, it'll suck you in. Hashem created the world with Amalek. He said clearly, Ein Hashem Shalem, Ein Shalem. My throne is not complete, and my name is not complete. That Amalek is totally wiped out. But when is that going to be? That's going to be the very end. We saw Hashem, that's not the time yet. was not ready yet. Why weren't they ready yet? They didn't receive the Torah yet. When was Parshat B'Shalom? Amalek. That was before Asinah. Before Asinah. They just left Egypt. The Jews have to still become somebody. How do you expect now to bring the final, final uh, geula, the final redemption, if Amisal did not yet receive the Torah at Sinai? The whole world was waiting, Vav, by, by Hulu, right? Yom Hashishi, the whole world was standing to wait for the Jews to receive the Torah on the sixth day, Vav, Vav Hashishi, the sixth day of Siva. Okay, they're not ready yet. It's not time for the final geula. They knew it already. Moshe Benin knew it. So they, you would have thought, now is a golden opportunity. There was a golden opportunity with Shaul HaMelech and Shimon HaNavi. Shimon HaNavi told Shaul, now is your time to destroy Amalek totally. We can bring the final redemption. But again, Shaul HaMelech had this imbalance. He was missing the trait of Malchut, which was found in David. What is the trait of Malchut found in David? We're going to go into this in the next class. Emuna. Emuna is big time associated with Moshe, David HaMelech's Malchut. That's why he had the Malchut. Shaul HaMelech was a chicken. He was too humble. He was too, too modest. He couldn't be a leader. He wasn't fit. He listened to the people. They told him this and that. He said, okay. He wasn't someone to stand up to do the will of Hashem 100%. So there was a golden opportunity. Hashem said, now is the time. Shmuel Navi tells Shalom Alech, if he destroys Amalek, told him the world will come to its complete tikkun now. Okay? Now is not the time. When is the time for Shalom Alech? Who are the descendants of Shalom Alech? Huh? Mordechai and Esther are the descendants of Shalom Melech. By, by Mordechai and Esther, which is the future redemption, Mupoim is committed to the future redemption because it's the only festival that will continue to exist after Mashiach comes because the future redemption is connected to Shalom Melech in a sense. Shalom Melech, you fell there. So then, so now to fix it up, we do need Shalom Melech. It's going to come in the miracle of Purim. It will still be under David Melech, fine. But we need the input of Mordechai and Esther who come to fix what was missing to wipe out Amalek visit Hashem. And then we have Hashem HaKadosh Mordechai. So going back to the Rekanti, he says, in this battle of Amalek, which is 
this need for emuna in your life at every stage, at every challenge, every time you're being hit by Haman Amalek, which is in a, in a learning level, whenever you reach the level in life of understanding, so then you, you have to go back into emuna mode for the next level. That's when Haman Amalek attacks a person. It's called Yerida, the Tzorech Aliyah, or it's called Yerida Tachrit Aliyah. After every up, there has to be a down. After every down, there has to be an up. Up, down, up, down. That's how it is in Judaism, okay? When there's that down part, that's when Amalek attacks. And if there's no strong emuna, that's when he attacks. So, I mean, and, and normally people, when they have that up, and then it's taken away and they have to go back to emuna mode, that's a point in a person's life or his day, whenever it happens, that he's in limbo mode, and that's when Amalek attacks a person. So it's an ongoing battle of Haman Amalek, always attacking when there's Rifyon Yadayim. What is, what is the opposite of Rifyon Yadayim? When I have something, when I grasp something, means I hold something which is concrete. When I understand the sugya, when I understand the hashkafa in life, when I have an, an, a clear understanding, that's called chozek yadayim, koach and the yadayim. Rifyon yadayim is, oh, I don't know. And my, my, my connection to it is like very weak and very upside down. And I'm going through so much and I have so much rachmanus on myself and everything. So that's when there's rifyon yadayim. That's when Amalek comes. And what's the, what's the battle against Amalek? It's not just opening up the Gemara and everything will be fine. Go back to learning everything will work. It's not, it doesn't work like that. You have to go to Emuna mode. You have to start turning, turning up to Hashem, crying and davening until the Emuna comes back. Okay. So the Rakati again, he says that this is the process, that it's a little bit every time. You kill a piece of Haman Amalek, great, you get the next level, but it's not complete. And it's like that. <laughs> let, let's let this story for once and for all. No, Haman Amalek is a little bit here. And that's how it is with life's challenges. Every piece is a growth. You want to see growth? There's a there's a wrestler, his name is Avram Greenbaum. Avram Greenbaum, he wrote a beautiful book maybe 20 years ago called Under the Table, more than 20 years ago, we're talking about 25, 30 years ago, wrote an amazing, amazing book on Jewish pathways of spiritual growth. And he writes, do you want to see growth? When you want to see growth in yourself, don't compare, oh, last year I was like this, and look where I am now, or last month, or last week, or yesterday. Comparing units of 10 years. Look where you are now, and look where you were 10 years ago. 10 years ago, for sure. Yeah, for sure, I'm a different person, for sure. sure. When you do 10 years units, it's much easier to see your growth. And that's what it should be, because growth is slowly. You won't, you won't necessarily see it from year to year. You won't see for sure day to day, month to month, week to week. But 10 year unit is a good unit to see that you've advanced visit. Okay, we'll stop here. Here at Sun, we should have an amazing poem. I don't know where we're going to see each other again. Visit Hashem will continue to get to the third pasuk because it's so. The third pasuk is with Tzadok Akohen. What in the world is happening here? Sorry, is 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 Shaul talking to them? And then we have another pasuk Baniti no Bait Neeman. We have amazing things coming up here. Rabbi takes you when he just brings the pasuk. He takes you to the whole concept. All the Midrash and the Pasuk, all the Gemara, all the Zohar, all the Kitiari, everything. And that's what gives flavor. And all the Mefarshim, all the commentaries, if it's Rekanti, Rabbeinu Bache, Ramban, he takes everything and he opens up to you a new dimension. But the, all, always the goal is what you what you get out of it, what you do with it. Visit the in our hands. And that's the key for Simcha. In order to have Emunah in the hands, you need also Simcha. And in order to have Simcha, you need Emunah. They work A to B. 
be the aid which was zoche to have Emunah in their hands and to fight Amalek and to destroy Haman with the Simcha. Here it is. Haman, you destroy with the Simcha. Amalek is called Haman Amalek. What's Klippat Haman Amalek? We think it's a Zelbazach. Haman is the one who attacks the Simcha of the Mitzvah and Amalek is what attacks the Emunah of the Mitzvah. Okay, you need, we need to fight Haman Amalek, two weapons, Simcha and Emunah. Okay, fine, nice. Shkoyach. You have questions? Shkoyach, thank you for joining.